I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cold Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider becoming a patron and joining us at www.patreon.com forward slash cult pop show. Everybody and welcome to the Cold Pops podcast. My name is AJ. Hello, AJ. And what's your name, little boy? <laughs> mm. I shook my head like a little boy. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm Richie. Richie Rich, the poorest rich boy in town, played famously by Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. <laughs> in a movie that I'm going to say came out in 1996. Uh, that's me. <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah so this is the cold pops podcast and uh this this week the episode is gonna be 94 another peek behind the curtain we're gonna be peeling back the rubbery uh outer waxy outer layer of the podcast and um looking at the more intimate and raw nerve endings that are the comment sections <laughs> on our podcasts um we've done this before we've done this a couple of times and uh, i like to think it's not a um cop out to do a fan mail episode i think it's continuing the conversation yeah which is fine that's that's an okay whether or not you agree with us that's your business (laughs) yeah and maybe we'll read out a comment that you gave us so there you go Mm -hmm. um the that we've got to the stage where we're such a big podcast, Richard, that I'm unable to read out everyone's comments. Oh my gosh. But I will be reading Most out of them. quite a few of them. <laughs> I don't know. It's got to be interesting for me to, to copy it down now. As much as much as I appreciate cool episode, I'm like, that's nice of you to say, but probably not going to discuss it. You know. Mm. Okay. Anyway, all right. Let's let's begin, Richard. Uh, on the, we're going to read out some iTunes reviews first because we've had a few more since we last did this episode. Aww. So this iTunes review was submitted twice for some reason, I think because it went missing, and then he resubmitted again. And it's from Alex Spoodle Goop McDonald from America, uh, one of our patrons, I believe, Spoodle Goop. <laughs> um, and this is this is what his review says. He says five stars. Never listen to a better podcast. In, in parentheses resubmission this podcast makes my sunday every single week whether it's their flagship film franchise fortnights or the more varied off-week content these kiwis never def- never fail to make me laugh and often offer insight into movies that i either hadn't considered or thought i was alone in considering and even when i disagree with their views on a movie or series i still enjoy every second of every episode if you're on the fence about starting a new podcast and you are in any way and you in any way enjoy films i wholeheartedly recommend these folks if you're looking for a good starting point i started with the earbud episodes but i listened chronologically from that very fir- from the very first episode following that um if you're really into it also consider joining the cult and contributing to their patreon for all the bonus content you'll get for doing so p.s for richard and aj keep up the good work guys can't wait for you to watch wind river in 2023 pps i somehow deleted my previous review at least on my end while trying to edit so this is a resubmission um, well, that explains it that's pretty cute thank you it's pretty cute thank you alex that's um, very and his his wind river comment was in regards to the fact that he's been suggesting wind river for our patreon podcast for months at this stage and we still haven't got to it yet yeah because uh, we vote so that's over at uh, well, we patreon.com slash cop popter if you'd no, it's not, it's not our fault. All right, this next one is called a five star review and it's got five stars and, and i'll it? just get this out of the way first they've they've worded it so that they've highlighted the every time there's a letter so like they've capitalized it so it says never going to give you up and like you know sort of like an like, acrostic poem yeah kind of, not really but like 
the first G is capitalized, right, right, okay. then the V, the E. Anyway, says, for a long time, I've put off writing this review simply because I disagreed with the idea of which you preach being that everyone should give a five-star review. Otherwise, we might as well rot in the gutter. I was... I was very tempted to give you a four-star review simply out of spite, but then I came to realize this is the best podcast I've ever heard, and it deserves as many five-star reviews as it can damn well get. That's from Gandalf232 from New Zealand. Thank you, Gandalf. Wow. Glad you approve. Yeah. I hope you get a job on the new Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, me too, actually. Got him. Like, as an I hope I get a job on it. Uh, Dante Pino, who we're... We're, we we're, we guest starred on one of his shows recently. I don't yes, think it's out yet, but we'll we'll post that when it comes out. Uh, he gave us a five-star review and wrote, It's real good. I only recently discovered this pod, but I've binged so much of it by now, it's too good to stop listening to. The detailed analyzation of films and franchises with really interesting commentary is so fantastic. It's super interesting to hear a film review that focuses on the filmmaking and production using filmy terms and looking at themes and arcs. It makes the podcast way more intriguing and interesting, and that's why I keep coming back. Thank you. So, because Rin's Al from germany wrote kazooie what a wild ride this podcast is really cool i like it a lot makes me happy good job thank you Uh thank you so much and last one we'll read today is from jay shua uh who wrote hilarious inclusive movie podcast five stars before i started listening to this podcast i wouldn't have considered myself a movie buff but these guys grabbed my attention with their great sense of humor inclusive and inclusiveness i first found this podcast after listening to richard's two part guest appearance on crits and giggles it was so hilarious that i had to hear more i wasn't disappointed the banter is on point the film analysis is succinct and insightful and the co-hosts do a great job of being self-referential and self-deprecating while making top quality podcasts that the, that lets their listener in on the jokes. You'll genuinely forget you're not sitting around a table talking about film with two buddies. As a bonus, the production quality is excellent, and there are no advertisements. Well, there are now. <laughs> um, that's really nice. Uh, that's cool. You know, like that's awesome. That um, you know, the the cross promotion of podcasts works like that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I had a great time starring on our friend Karen's um podcast i also did a guest spot on uh, i've done done a few guest spots on podcasts so have you yep. um yeah there's uh inks and issues um karen who run who's the dungeon master and for crits and giggles which is like a uh, dungeons and dragons playthrough thing uh podcast uh he also does one be able to analyze comic books and i went on and did civil war the, nice. the marvel series and uh yeah i also do a very niche podcast every now and then uh, where they talk about busted songs, and that's <laughs> called a podcast for everyone. And it's very funny, uh, nice. even if you're not into busted. Well, I presume it's, I don't know. I presume it's funny if you're not into busted. <laughs> I listen to it. To I'm not early into 2000s UK boy bands. Um, I've been on the Phil Better show talking about sequels that should exist but don't. And I've been on uh, Red Laugh Riot talking about my favorite franchises. And I think those are the two podcasts I've done recently. Um, and by recently, I mean within the last year. Ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, ever, pretty much. All right, the, someone commented on the Jurassic Park film franchise Fortnites. This is from Shindig129 and said, Fallen Kingdom is now the worst Jurassic film ever. Hmm. Yeah. What Do you, do you agree, agree with that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Fallen Kingdom is so bad. Yeah, but I, th- I think... I think Jurassic Park 3 is still worse. Mm, I don't know. I don't know, man. They're both pretty bad. Jurassic <laughs> Fallen Kingdom's better made. Mm. But at least 3 still has Sam Neill in it. And yeah. don't say Fallen Kingdom has Jeff Goldblum because it barely does. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that yeah, we haven't been able to cover Fallen Kingdom in any real capacity on the show yet. Maybe we need to do it for... Oh, did we for, um, for Most Disappointing? Oh, we did too. Yeah, good point, actually. All right, never mind. Uh, on the Toy Story episode, this, this, was, this was before Toy Story 4 came out, so it's only the first three films. Uh, the Doctor 133 says, this has earned you a new subscriber. Well, I'm glad we were earned Who, who earned was that. it? The Doctor 133. Oh, he's referring to himself. Hmm. Uh, oh. 
so we got a lot of comments on our Marvel episodes, Richard, and it turns out people really like talking they were about twelve hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They really like talking about Marvel. So let's race through these on Facebook on the Marvel Phase One episode. Ben Close says, I listened for 40 minutes both to and from work at 1.25 speed and still have 50 minutes left for tomorrow's morning's journey. Don't ever change. I'm glad people encourage us to make long podcasts. Yeah, Yeah, Marvel was our last bit of self-indulgence before joining a podcast network. Yeah. Which we would still probably do it on. Yeah, exactly. And Scott Curry says, came for the presumably inevitable discussion of, of the alternate Avengers title for the UK, left disappointed. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that, did we? Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about it now. What do you okay. think of the fact that in the UK, the Avengers is, Marvel's The Avengers is called Avengers Assemble? I don't like it. Yeah, neither. It's, it's dumb. But it's like the fact that you have to wait seven years for them to actually say that on screen as well yeah um but it is because there is a very famous british property called the avengers already i remember the first avengers movie based on the tv show it's called the avengers it has uma thurman in it i think there's only one isn't there yeah (laughs) um yeah and that's why it's it's also called marvel's the avengers like it's it's always like referred to as marvel's the avengers yeah uh, on YouTube, on this episode, Shago says, this is a mighty task. And it was Shago. Thank you for acknowledging that for us. No, uh, I, th- I think he means listening to it. All oh, right. Or yeah. she. Yeah, maybe that's what they meant. Jack Gudera says, love this podcast. Love the podcast, guys. First stumbled onto you with the Toy Story episode and have been binging ever since. What's weird about The Incredible Hulk is that in addition to it being both a reboot and semi-sequel to the Ang Lee movie, it is also a loving homage to the Bill Bixby Lou Ferrigno show, which I think was due to Edward Norton's influence because if I recall correctly, he's a super fan of the show. So it's trying to be three very different things at once, which don't gel well together at all. Ha ha. The opening sequence that AJ complains about is pretty much a shot-for-shot recreation of the TV show's opening title sequence, and the first half of the movie is, is very structurally similar to typical to a typical episode of the series banner is in a new place encountering conflicts hulks out and then has to ret- run away they even play the end credits lonely man theme during the scene where bruce banner is hitchhiking in the rain also one of the two college students in the films is the hulks f- is then the, f- the hulks fight on the college campus is named jack mcgee after the investigative reporter who's constantly following banner's trail on the series the other student is named rick jones after the hulks friend slash sidekick from the 60s comic and, of course, we see a brief yeah. clip of Bill Bixby on a TV from another show he did called The Courtship of Eddie's Father. One more one more weird bit of random trivia. The guy who owns the pizza shop is played by the voice actor Paul Souls, who played Bruce Banner, but not the Hulk, in the stilted 60s Hulk cartoon. In addition to that, he also played Peter Parker Spider-Man. Yes, he's got, he did do both identities that time. In the 1967 <laughs> cartoon that spawned all the memes, and Hermie, he also played Hermie, the alpha would-be dentist in the Rankin-Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rain reindeer animated special what a plethora of information about the incredible hulk movie yeah that's awesome i like it's i love when people um bring in like intimate knowledge of a property that we have vague knowledge of but um, Mm. when you're not when you're not a dick about it like that guy who got real angry that i um said um godzilla and the turtle one in the same sentence that was david brown dude our original commenter yeah who's disappeared now after that um yeah but um yeah no it's it's cool to shine an extra light on on something like that so thank you very much for that yeah uh tim artabor commented on this episode and said you got to remember peter parker got spider powers at a young age and would have been a little kid during the battle of new york going to space probably would have been less weird for him than tony who grew up in a more normal world i.e captain america being the only known hero prior to meeting the other avengers now I'm glad that Tim commented this. This is referring to me, what I made a video about, our most viewed video on Cole Poption now, um, about how no one really seems to care when amazing things happen to them. You know, like they Apart go to space from or whatever. Avengers. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so Tim started talking about how Peter Parker would have been used to it. And a lot of people commented this on the video. I tend to disagree. I, I, I know, I think... Like it's different. It's different to know something's possible and experience it yourself. You know. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, like there is a desensitization, and 
Um, you see the moment in the film in Infinity War when Peter realizes he has to like take this seriously and and not be overwhelmed. Um, yeah, because yeah, like he he's grown up because he's what like seventeen in uh, twenty eighteen. So in his little cameo, yeah, so he would have been like nine in Iron Man two. His little cameo supposedly there, and then like eleven in the avengers so he knows aliens exist and they invaded new york and so he's obviously not going to be as amazed as stark is in the avengers um so i buy that um and yeah i i just think you know he like i think peter's uh, a lot of peter's stuff as well as putting on a brave face that's like kind of a a recurring theme in his movies mm. Um, and then especially like in uh, Homecoming when the building collapses on him and he has that moment where, you know, sees the the mask and if you're nothing without the suit, you don't deserve it. That's when he realizes, you know, he he he, he allows himself to have like a little moment of letting it get to him. But then he, he kind of gets over it and realizes what he has to do. And I don't know. I think Tom Holland um, sells it in Infinity War when uh, he not, uh, Tony knights him in Avenger. Yeah, and then he is like real stoked for a second, but then goes real serious because he's like, "Shit, we actually have to like save the universe." Yeah, yeah. I guess I I would still, I I guess I just think experiencing something for yourself would still be pretty. Uh, mm. Or yeah, but like like also you have to think about like the slow, the the slowness of like this shit happening as well. Like I mean, mm. I mean, I say slow, but it's like what the course of like five to ten years um and um yeah like you think about if if your cell phone you've got now this like you know the smartphone if you went and gave that to yourself say 15 years ago you'd be like holy shit i cannot believe this technology exists (laughs) but it's like there was never a point when you were like wow smartphones are so this is the future. I mean, there might have been times when, when every now and then you're like, man, it's crazy that that these kind of phones exist. But because the technology evolved incrementally, um, you know, you, you become desensitized to it. And I think that's sort of what, like, we don't see Peter at, at home watching the invade, the Battle of New York happening. Um, but I'm sure it was mind-blowing for him. And so... You know, you see aliens and then you've got like um, the events of Thor the Dark World as well in London. That's like, weirdly, Thor the Dark World has the other big like world ending event on Earth (laughs) in it. Um, And like even like Ultron as well, I guess. Um, And so, yeah, by the time Peter gets to this and and he also knows that the Avengers go off and do these things as well. So that when he's when he's joining the Avengers, he knows what he's signing up for. I mean, right. his introduction in that scene, in that movie is um, stopping a giant alien from crushing Tony. Hmm. All right, no, so fair I don't enough. know why going to space would be particularly more, um, you know, crazy than fighting a fighting a wizard. And there is like there is there is a psychological effect that astronauts have reported from going to space, though. That it sounds like no one's really that prepared for it. Nah, but whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I, I get I get this the sense you were um not prepared for me to back up that comment. <laughs> no, I'm not prepared for anything, Richard. Muji three sixty says that post credit scene, Isaac mounts is holding in laughter from that post credit scene. So this was the post credit scene where we revealed that we were gonna be on the little Empire network. Um, <laughs> that's so right. that, that's pretty funny that people enjoyed this ruin said this episode is a stone cold classic also the mule was kind of a weird movie <laughs> yeah. uh on yeah. marvel phase two on facebook scott curry says just finished listening to this one really enjoying these mcu lookbacks one thing i found a bit odd though is how you characterized iron man 3 sorry iron man 3 isn't the word three as a huge risk for marvel and then shortly after 
afterwards discuss the inevitable juggernaut of Guardians. I would have flipped them around, because while sure the twist of Iron Man 3 is unexpected and I personally loved it, it's still a bloody Iron Man sequel, so they arguably were much safer going and doing unexpected story things since they had a fairly built-in audience already. By contrast, when word started to come out about Guardians of the Galaxy being in development, I got the impression that everyone outside of comic book fans was scratching their heads and going, this looks weird, and it doesn't appear to fit into... and." This looks weird and doesn't appear to fit into the MCU at all. And seriously, a talking raccoon and a talking tree? Calling it now. This will be Marvel's first true flop. I recall that it was the only the, that first trailer that really made people sit up and pay attention. But yeah, this was surely the riskiest proposition of the franchise to that point. Especially since it expanded the world more than any other film up to that point and arguably since. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess there's two yeah, ways of I, looking I think, at it. Because right? I remember before... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy came out, people were like, fuck, is like Marvel's, is having Marvel above the title actually good enough? You know, like, because yeah. people were saying Guardians was going to flop. And like, he says outside of comic book fans, but even most comic book fans <laughs> were a little bit like, wow, really? They're doing that? You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tim Martabor says, I can only imagine what Cap was recommended in the German version of Winter Soldier. Because you know how Cap has like a, yeah. he has a list of, things to try since waking up in in the modern day and they change for each country yeah like depending on when you watch it so like the german version of the winter soldier that's a pretty funny joke yeah what it was yeah sure do that he also wrote in all likelihood i would imagine thanos is at the gauntlet forge in the uh and the age of ultron post credits is occurring perhaps peter dinklage character was trying to fight back after thanos gave his demands to finishing the gauntlet hence i'll do it myself hell maybe the camera cuts out right before thanos breaks his arms it's worth mentioning that we do see the gauntlet container from age of ultron as a background easter egg during the thor subplot in infinity war We'll talk more about the Age of Ultron post-credit scene in a few comments uh, down the line. <laughs> you found anything? Um. Uh, okay. Uh, in Germany, he has Currywurst, Moon Landing, Berlin Wall, Up Plus Down, which I think is on like all of them. Uh, Oktoberfest, Disco, Typhoon, Star Wars slash Trek, Nirvana, Rocky, Rocky 2, Trouble Man soundtrack. Right, so no reference to, um, you know... And then a, a, a time when Germany stopped being the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brett Taylor commented on this episode, which was in the post credit scene where we announced we were going to be redoing an old franchise. And he said, if you redo Back to the Future, I will shout myself. I've been thinking for years that you burned that candle way too early. Well, sorry, Brent. People fucking voted for Spider-Man. <laughs> a franchise yeah. we did, you know... Oh, I'll never forgive our fans for making us do so. As much as I enjoy the movies, it's just the most complicated and complex franchise to revisit because of all the movies that have come out since and how it's kind of transcended what we can structure as a as a as a franchise, I guess. Um yeah. Ben Close commented on this episode and said, Fantastic Four in the 60s, that's literally the Incredibles. I think it's funny that you claim that... I just think it's funny how um, that, you, <laughs> yeah, that you claim... There was I a period be- of time when Ben Close commented on everything in my life, being like, I'm surprised you think this. <laughs> <laughs> He'll probably comment on this as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that you claim Iron Man to be such a perfect movie when every one of your complaints about the villain in Ant-Man can also be said about uh, Iron Man's villain. So that's his f- the first part of his comment. Yeah, but Iron Man did it first. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a did it first thing. That it's, I could yeah, it, it, yeah. It doesn't go. It doesn't retroactively ruin my experience with Iron Man one. I I can see that it's an issue, but um, yeah, it did it before it was a problem. Really, hmm. it's by by the time they get to Ant Man, they should have better ideas. Hmm. Not that I have a huge problem with Ant Man anyway. And I feel like you're reading the ending of Iron Man 3 wrong. He never said he was retiring. He just said he was going to bring it down a notch, i.e. spend not spend every waking hour of his sleepless nights designing 35 new suits. Instead, he came back to, to, with just one, although I do agree to some degree that Age of Ultron still ignores what happens to Tony's character and having Pepper actually die at the end would have been so much better for future films. Um... In in terms of like writing a story and writing a screenplay, it's like toning it down a notch is not as cool as retiring. 
You yeah, know? I, I think the, the, the ending is... The, sorry about my mic. The, the ending is deliberately ambiguous because I think they weren't sure if um, RDJ would keep doing Marvel films after Iron Man yeah, 3. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then he says, and now to rant about the fine I'll do it myself line, this is genuinely one of my favourite moments in this in the cinema because of what it means. Thanos knew he was giving Loki the Mind Stone. His plan was undoubtedly to secure Earth for himself. And because he knew Loki could fail, he also gave him the Mind Stone, knowing what it was capable of. And it almost did secure Earth for Thanos. He hears about it about this and is fed up waiting for someone else to do it for him. What I hate about this scene is that in retrospect the threat is completely empty because he ends up sending his minions to get the stones in Infinity War anyway. And I respect your decision to not include my comment this week. It was a sacrifice I had to make. Um my response to that is Loki's not in Age of Ultron. Like none of none yeah. of this is a response to Age of Ultron. Um, and so why why is that in the post credit scene to it? Like yeah, I get that may, yeah. maybe that scene takes place at the end of the Avengers, um, after he says oh it's to court death and then he goes over to his little thing wherever it is and says, Fine, I'll do it myself and then waits several years to actually collect the stones. Um yeah, that's that's my issue with it. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why that means it's your favourite. Um, one of your favourite moments in the cinema, but hey, who am I to judge? Ruin says, glad to see Iron Man 3 getting some love. And Matthew Lewis says, hey guys, I love your podcast, but don't normally comment. However, I feel like I should point out that Chupa Chups are Spanish, not Brazilian. Fun fact, the Chupa Chups logo was designed by Spanish artist, uh, by Spanish artist Salvador Dali. As for my favorite Phase 2 moment, I still get goosebumps when Nick Fury confronts Alexander Pierce and says the line, if you want to stay ahead of me, you have to keep both eyes open and uncovers his damaged eye to unlock the computer. Thanks for the great work, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Matthew. And thank you for that correction about Chupa Chips. Chupa Chips. So we made a video out of, about the Age of Ultron post-credit scene and how it sucked. And Ice Fisher 10 says, I like to think that Thanos just finished forcing Itri the dwarf to make... Is it Itri? Itri? Itri, yeah. Itri the dwarf to make a to make the gauntlet, then killed the rest, and Ebony for, informed him that Kree would not assist in taking the Power Stone from Xandar, so he goes to the gauntlet and says, fine, I'll do it myself um for people people are there's basically a lot of these comments are like saying no this is when it takes place thanos right after guardians he's going to do it himself after ronan failed um you got it all wrong thanos is referring to getting the stones himself uh <laughs> not not unclogging the toilet like you say in your video yeah yeah um uh, what, yeah so like my issue with that scene is it has nothing to do with age of ultron like yeah i agree you're right and, and yeah so it, all of um because marvel often um their post credit scene they have one post credit scene that's like um nothing nothing too consequential and then one that's um a tease for the film after the next one so like yeah um age of ultron had no sorry winter soldier had the twins from age of ultron um and that tied into winter soldier and then um like ragnarok has thanos's ship um like a good example actually is um ant-man having the scene from civil war which you think has nothing to do with, but it's a scene specifically where they're talking about ant-man yeah yeah um and creamy goodness sort of put what we're saying into perspective when when they said if they put the scene at the end of almost any other marvel movie it'd be fine but age of ultron had like nothing to do with obtaining the stones or any other cosmic shit and that's yeah that's essentially it. yeah um because yeah either like it takes place because people oh it takes place right at the avengers and it's like well then why does he wait so long to do it or it takes place right before infinity war which is like okay (laughs) yeah yeah and cali animal lover says this deserves so much so much more views uh, the imagery of him just putting the gauntlet back made me laugh too hard. Thank you. On Marvel Phase 3 on Facebook, Scott Curry says, Regarding Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 versus Volume 2, they are equal but different for me. I can't decide on an absolute favourite, but I think it's notable to say that the first one does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of introducing a pretty huge cast of all new characters plus an entirely new set of worlds and aesthetics, and the second one is just more free to ride those world-building coattails and just have fun. Very true. Uh, yeah, on, 
on YouTube, Tamar Tarbor123 says, to be fair, Ghost is probably going to get fleshed out in the Thunderbolts, the rumoured Thunderbolts movie going off the Endgame leaks. They got everything right and also implied Marvel was looking at including her there. That being said, yeah, they could have written her better. Justin Hammer was on the shortlist for that team. Yeah, that was us talking about how Ghost felt like Peyton Reed was copying the homework that the previous villains had had done to try yeah, make it uh, yeah it's yeah yeah uh jack bishop says you did such a good job recounting parts of endgame that you made me well up with emotions and start crying <laughs> recalling the incredible experience it was what it was like watching it for the first time so thanks for that thank you thank you so yeah much, i still jack. get that as well i've been i've watched like little clips on youtube or like audience reactions and stuff like that just to like remind me of what it was like yeah yeah all right yeah, now well. we've got probably the the longest comment that we'll read out in this episode it literally takes up two pages on my jesus google doc it's 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 from bullet pointed uh, it's from none other than ben close but i mean it is a it is a six hour episode so maybe it deserves a a (laughs) comment this long (coughs) um he says, after six glorious car rides, traveling far and right across the expansive plain of Auckland, I've collected all of my thoughts and placed them into this infinity comment. Enjoy or don't. What do I care? You care, Ben. Don't tell me you don't care. First up, 12 Years of Strange's genius. So he liked our making Doctor Strange the 12 Strange years beard. long yep. idea. Cool. Uh, second get ready for some guardians one purest point of view guardians volume one is easily funnier than than volume two which turns a little more vulgar huh i said that's subjective but okay right uh which turns a little more vulgar and in my opinion doesn't land a lot of the time especially when almost all the humor is now coming from drax who may have been the funniest part of one uh but in this case serves little other purpose and feels over the top seems as if gun was like oh you like drax well let me put some drax on top of your drax with your drax sauce on the side my homie my second Um, big i think drax definitely owned the punchlines in that movie my second big issue is that i don't think ego is a terribly good villain he sure feels threatening at moments but his big villain twist you could be seen a mile away and in the end he's just another big fat lying cgi baddie that wants to destroy the universe just cause uh he also says while ronan was less than stellar as a villain at least he was just a racist that hated a specific planet and had an interesting dynamic with thanos uh yeah i disagree on ronan versus ego because um, I was going to be like, oh, I can't really defend Ego that much, but he's way better than Ronan. At least, mm-hmm. at least there's like a moral dilemma for the hero in yeah. fighting him because it's his dad. Yeah, yeah, agree. Whereas Ronan is, yeah, Ronan's one of the most um, generic bad guys Marvel's had. Yeah. And, he and says, he's and even wh- more generic in Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> and while I personally prefer the songs of Awesome Mix Volume 2, I think overall the soundtrack is better utilized in Volume 1. Maybe it's just because I've seen the movie a couple more times, but when I look at Awesome Mix Volume 1, I can picture the scene where each song is used, which I can't say for Volume 2. Uh, yeah, see, I'm the other way around. I like, I, I prefer vol- Volume 2 as well, just the songs on it. But... Um, yeah, I was listening because I bought it on vinyl for my sister's birthday um, last week, and I and we were listening to it, and there was all these songs that I didn't really realize. There was a couple of songs I didn't realize I knew, but I was like, oh, I know the scene that this is used in. Um, mm. Whereas listening to volume one, I mean, it's probably actually the same for both. Yeah. He continues. All right, third. He wrote thirty thirty. AJ, I personally struggle to understand how you can claim to be such a huge fan of these films and of filmmaking in general, and yet you would still stream all of your movies from illegitimate sources. It's ridiculously easy to get any movie you want on a digital plan- on a digital platform. I don't believe you have any excuse. What a what a what hey, a pot look, shot. <laughs> look, whatever you know, I had I had Blu-rays for all those films. And I even I even went and saw Captain Marvel for a second time. I was not prepared for my my character to be called into question in this this essay. Uh, sorry, Ben. Um, you, although I, I also know that you don't like Endgame that much, which you'll probably get to. Um, so I personally struggle to, to understand how you can claim to be such a huge fan of Marvel when Endgame isn't within your top three. Um, anyway, we'll get to that later. I'm sure later on in this comment, I mean, uh, fourth up, <laughs> why be the next PJ or Taika when you can be the first AJ? Well, 
I appreciate the compliment, but I mean, I, I, it, it has more of a depressing connotation when you say it to me. <laughs> yeah, you could be the first AJ, or to me. Richard. Yeah. Uh, fifth, don't diss. I was actually super proud of Star-Lord after Infinity War. I think a lot of people overlooked the fact that he was the only one who was willing to make a sacrifice for the sake of the universe until Wanda right at the end. Don't forget he pulled the trigger on Gamora before Thanos burst his bubble. Minus sixth. Quite like your fixes well, I, of that. Sorry. I, well, um, I thought, you know, we want to respond to each of Ben's points. Okay, yep. Um, I think, yeah, um, because of Star-Lord's delays and stuff, like, I wouldn't say I was proud of him, but I think the whole point of the movie is that Thanos is the only one that's willing to, you know, make these sacrifices and yeah. just get it get it done. Um, yeah. Because Star-Lord and Wanda's delays and stuff like that, you know, ended mm. the universe. Yeah. Half of it, anyway. All right. Um, minus sixth, quite like your fixes for Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. I believe that was towards you, Thank Richard, because you. you did that. Seven, come <laughs> and get him. Richard, I quite like your tackle of the Phase 3 Redux, but you're forgetting that for box office reasons, and heck, by now it's just tradition, Disney would never not release an Avengers film in April slash May. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Eight, I know it's late, but you didn't get the joke. The Ice Cube scene... I think he's just, the joke is just eight. I know it's late. I don't know. Yeah, he's saying, we spoke about something where we didn't get the oh, joke. Okay. And now he's like, yeah. going to explain the joke. He, every every number he's made a little funny thing with. Right, yeah. The Ice Cube scene is actually from the first Agent Cody Banks movie. In the words of Drax the Destroyer, you must be so embarrassed. I don't remember the, what we when we talked about an Ice Cube scene. Um. So he was like, oh, is this, because you remember he kept he, on you know, making jokes about, um, uh big fat liar for yeah. a while and then uh he was like he made something and i was like oh yeah from that frankie mooney's movie agent cody banks destination london and because we assumed that he was like making a joke about big fat liar but he was actually making a joke about agent cody banks and then we made it about agent cody banks destination london which is our want you know we knew what you were talking yeah. about ben we got the joke um nothing rhymes with ninth as for the credit scenes i have to say i think the mid credit scene in ragnarok black panther and ant-man and the wasp all feel out of place they absolutely should have ended movies with those scenes or in the case of black panther perhaps place it before its final scene the ragnarok and ant-man and the wasp yeah. scenes are perfect closes to movies that exist in the in the cinematic universe i just think it's lame that they held the tease for the credits and it makes the films feel like they have two different endings I yeah, can understand I'd, that. Yeah, yeah. The, the the I'd say the biggest example of that is Far From Home. Yeah, the mid credit scene. That that's how like that's at the end of the movie right there. And also yeah. because spoilers for um well kind of spoilers for Far From Home and the mid credit scene has you know a huge like game changer bomb dropped yeah. and yeah. also the first film ends with um May going what the fuck and then yeah, yeah. that mid credit scene ends with him going what the fuck. I think he says what does the he, shit. Does he say? He should have said. I don't think he does say that. What? Does he say no, what the goes, fuck? I think he, he says what the fuck or what the shit. Okay. But it ends It ends with, um, like, because it's like, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And then he's like, yeah. what the shit? And then it cuts. Oh, really? Okay. I, I missed that. Yeah. So it's like, that should have just been the end of the movie. And every um, Spider-Man movie should end with someone being like, what the fuck? Everyone, every movie ends with sp- someone finding out Spider-Man's secret identity. Yeah, yeah, the other one person that didn't find out at the end of yeah, Far yeah. From Home. <laughs> um, all right, uh, all right, we're in the end game now. Here's your spoiler warning. Ben Tenth. While I think the cap the, that Cap's Mjolnir, Mjolnir moment is cool, it could have been so much more impactful if it had Sylvester's Avengers theme blasting underneath it, mirroring Thor's Wakanda entrance. I was a little underwhelmed by that moment because I suspected it would be as soon as Thor held his arm up to retrieve Mjolnir on Asgard, and they didn't do anything with that, se- that scene except assume the shock factor would be enough to get a response. God, Ben, you must be the only fucking person in the world who would describe <laughs> that scene as underwhelming. <laughs> that was yeah. the most overwhelming scene i've ever experienced in a cinema yeah <laughs> i'm very protective over end game so th- these are hard comments to read it's nice having us on the same page about a month I, I, I think i replied to this comment when he originally posted it and wrote like um i agreed with some you know i was promising to begin with but as it got went on i started to feel very uncomfortable reading 
your later <laughs> thoughts. Eleventh, uh, the menace. My issue with Captain Marvel isn't so much that she doesn't do anything, but that she simply doesn't need to be in the movie. She feels shoehorned in, and the writers had to force ways for her to have things to do. For example, there is no reason for Tony Stark to be stranded in space. This is one of the biggest questions I had when the first trailer of Endgame dropped. Why is he not still on Titan? Tony is a very smart man. He should know that he can't make it back to Earth or survive stranded on a spaceship. I was so excited to see him and Nebula team up to engineer their way home. Imagine how great it would have it would be if they did that and it took them five years to get home and then he meets his five-year-old daughter showing that he was right at the beginning of Infinity War about people being pregnant. Eh, I don't know. I'm sure uh, yeah, if that I mean, had happened in the movie, I would have been like, oh, that's a cool way to do it. But I, yeah, no, actually, I don't know. no, I, mean, I think it's, it's important for Tony to be on Earth for that whole time and it's important for him to actually have a relationship with his daughter and not having never met her before yeah um yeah i i don't know i mean it's it's i think it's feasible that tiny well is he just gonna die on Titan? just leave himself to die on titan or is he gonna try and go out fighting like to Mm. go into space and just hope to run into someone you know yeah a planet that has literally ran out of resources yes stay there um but no, and they also, you know, Captain- Nebula knows the ship and stuff as well. So, mm. but no, they needed Captain Marvel to show up. So instead, they made Tony appear to be an idiot who essentially gave up and nearly suffocated, only to be saved just in the nick of time by a space angel. But ca- Captain Marvel's know, capable there's, there's, there's- of, yeah, like she's yeah. capable of finding these things. It's not, it's not a coincidence that she found them. I imagine yeah, it's, it's part of her power. Set it, yeah, that yeah, because we we see them. as well that um. The Captain Marvel post credit scene is her showing up on Earth, and then presumably Rocket has some way of finding the ship, because it's like his ship, mm. and then um, they can send Captain Marvel out to rescue Tony. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's some sexist undertones under Ben's comment. Oh, shit. Well, he keeps talking saying, about I'm just it. saying it. Oh, here we go. Um, and the, uh, the and the only other thing Captain Marvel does is blow up Thanos's ship, which I'm quite sure the brilliant writers of these films could have come up with a way for the Avengers to destroy it without her. Uh, they really should have saved a character for Phase Four or do do better do her better justice in Endgame. Well, okay. that was part of my um, oh my god, my it keeps going. Fix that. I, I think she should have been introduced earlier so that we right. I get that it's not her movie and I don't want it to be, but we never even saw the payoff of Fury's page or, or, or Carol actually meeting the Avengers for the first time. I would have been a lot more satisfied if we had an extended 10 to 20 minutes at the start that was to the build up to her arrival, included the same scene of from the Captain Marvel credits and then a short yeah. interaction with the team and their response to her. Yes, I'm complaining about the film being too short yeah i i somewhat agree in some ways that like yeah it would have been cool to have like those scenes but i love how fast endgame gets moving Mm, yeah so yeah either introduce her properly or leave her out of the script entirely note it's not about the audience being introduced to her but the avengers themselves because we never see the initial interaction i just feel cheated it would have been it would be like if at the beginning of infinity war tony and dr strange were already best buds it's just lazy and we lose the strange alchemy as the roosters like to call it that makes the avengers film so exciting damn you, you have so many stupid little issues with endgame ben i'm sorry dude i just well, when I guest start on Ben's podcast, <laughs> he told me that the MCU's his favorite franchise. I actually, I'm yeah. stripping you of that claim, Ben. You cannot <laughs> claim the MCU is your favorite franchise if you're underwhelmed by Endgame. I'm sorry, dude. You were disappointed by, it and that means it's not your favorite franchise. Anymore. Yeah, and, and it's 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 nitpicky issues as well. Like if you just didn't like the movie, fine. But the fact that these like, um, what was his first thing about Endgame? Uh, uh, the Mjolnir moment. Yeah, the that the that Mjolnir. didn't work for you because it didn't have the score. You don't get to like these movies, Ben. You're not allowed anymore. We're canceling canceling Ben um, close. <laughs> but we're going to keep reading this comment. Yeah. Twelfth uh, on the shelf. There are not two caps in the prime timeline. They state pretty clearly that the current timeline cannot be altered by changing things in the past. God, I forgot how much people were talking. Uh, about yeah, this. I don't want to get into this because the directors and the writers disagree, and I think we agree with the directors. All right. Well, I'll skip. I'll skip twelfth. Um, 
Uh, and thirteenth and final, people might not be as hyped for Endgame if there was a, if the people might not have not be as hyped for Endgame if there was a post snap movie before it. That would also spoil the five year gap, which unless you saw the Super Bowl spot, you would have no inkling of going no, have no inkling of going into that movie. Then he wrote clank 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 as a reference to the post credits audio oh, yeah. from Endgame. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility in that. We're moving on from Marvel now to Shrek. <laughs> no, we we on on okay. So I made a video about um how everyone in Bring It On have big butts and they all act like it's a bad thing. Um, f- and people commented on that. Fire Delgado says, "Who don't love a big ass?" Ivan Fontenla says, "Whoop whoop." Thomas M says, "I'm 25. I remember c- becoming an ass man about six years ago, and I don't understand why I did it sooner." <laughs> and Gek Virgil says, "I only saw one fat ass and zero fat asses, and I think these movies should really bring it on." Some very <laughs> horny comments um, on, the, yeah. on a very horny video. Very horny so video. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, on the our episode that we made about um. Game of Thrones. We are are the actors from Game of Thrones even good on Instagram? I Western Russ says, "Ooh, fucking controversial." S J Good just says, "Richard, you're so funny." <laughs> Didn't say me or Jess so funny, just you. Wonder why he yeah. said that. Like it's without context. It's not this joke you said was real funny. It's just you're so funny. Well, it's not. And, it's not um, that unbelievable that someone would find me <laughs> funny, AJ. <laughs> And Switter's creative Wait, what says, the fuck oh, man. would someone say that? Let's break this down. <laughs> it must be a mistake. It must be a bot. <laughs> Switter's creative says, oh man, better buckle up for this one. And on our A Cinderella Story episode on Instagram, Mason Mese says, although we've recently found out that's not how you pronounce her name, so I'm going to guess Maiselmes. Yeah. Mese says i've only seen the first two and holy shit i had no idea there are more honestly hillary duffs is such a distant face distant memory in my childhood uh on facebook we had camille hughes commented and said thank you for bringing this magical film sequels to my attention michael baskin says as as someone who has been naked on film i can attest to the priority i can attest that the priority is to cover the front because we were talking about how in a Cinderella oh, yeah, story yeah. three, she like covers the back as well as the front. Because she's scenes. running. Well, no, she's she's running away from the camera, so she has both hands covering her butt, which means she's like doing essentially a naked Naruto run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, for anyone who's watching. Yeah, uh, and a few more people commented saying that the first is the best, and that nothing will ever top. Yeah, of course, it's the fucking best. Like, <laughs> I like the third one the best. <laughs> Uh, I can't. Remember. I think we agreed on that. Oh actually, yeah, the, as well. the, the huh? We agreed that the third the, one was the best, but that they're all bad. So this is the yeah. The matter. third one was the horniest one as well. Hashi, because yeah. there's only yeah. <laughs> uh, on YouTube. McDuff said everybody wants you two to go back and and on your opinion that the web films are the better Spider-Man three are better than Spider-Man three because it's not. Then he wrote, "The Amazing Spider-Man is as good as Spider-Man three, though." Uh, I didn't uh, go back on my th- opinion. Yeah, I don't think I ever said that the web films been inspired by three, but um, I don't think I did. I, I listened I back to it to make no, sure. No, I don't think I did. Um, well, I've never believed that. I don't know why I said it on the podcast. Um, I'd say yeah, Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man two and Spider Man three are on par for me, and an Amazing Spider Man one is the worst Spider Man film. Brett Taylor says they've done Beauty and the Beast, and it's just as bad as you would think. Because I t- might continue the franchise for a Cinderella story was doing other, um. S- stories other fairy tale stories right and he and he said beastly from 2011 stars yeah. vanessa hudgens and the guy from um uh go girls mm. the, that new zealand tv show oh yeah um i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
we made a video about how a Cinderella story was bad, and Gas Cadet commented on and said, Hey guys, I really hope that you guys get the subscribers and views you deserve soon. I'm a relatively new sub since what the One Marvelous Scene video. You're all hilarious, and I am glad I have a new podcast. I can just blow through the backlog of episodes, and they're all funny. I have a job where I do paperwork and data entry all day, and I need podcasts to listen to to keep my sanity. Keep it up, boys. Thanks so much, Gas Cadet. Love getting comments like that. Uh, and Maisel Mees says, it's also fucking weird that she just barges into the locker room when she's like, waiting for you is like waiting for rain in a drought. Pointless and disappointing. <laughs> um, she was initially yeah. embarrassed about the whole thing, and then she just berates him in front of his friends. Uh, we got right. one comment on the Spider-Man Redux episode on YouTube. Macduff says, well, at least Richard prevented the apocalypse because of your opinion. My opinion, <laughs> it pre- my opinion it ensured... The apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, you you're, you're just brought the apocalypse. On Twilight, someone found our Twilight episode. Like, the before, before Popshire, the, the before time. And their name is Isabel Eppen, and they said, just for fact-checking purposes, I don't know if you realise it later on, and correct, but I'll comment anyway, lol, is Victoria is James's girlfriend, not his sister. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and she said... <laughs> I'm binging all of your podcasts right now and honestly loving it, LaMayo. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Isabel. On Sister of the Travelling Pants, McDaff commented and said, I've commented a few other times on your new episodes, but I've started listening to your podcast in release order. This is by far the funniest. It blows my mind that people go back to the start. <laughs> That's what I would do. Really? I just think yeah. I would I would go back to, the, if I was a fan or new, newly discovered like our most recent episode, I would go back to the first episode, listen to that and be like, mm, I might skip. <laughs> I might skip a few episodes. Yeah. Uh, McDuff also commented on the Godzilla Heisei uh, episode and says probably one of the most dangerous comments that's ever been left on one of our podcasts, Rich. I oh said this God. to you and you were like, oh, I don't really like reading that. <laughs> <laughs> so here it is he says aj asked who the best host of the show is i I remember doing that and he says and while i'm way late to answer this i think i'll answer it somewhat you ready yeah aj is the kind of person that reminds me of myself as in i was so obsessed with the titles of films and shows and games and would often be like such and such should have been called this and so on but i feel like aj reminds me of myself so much that it kind of gets annoying to a point not because aj is annoying but because i really enjoy hearing different thoughts to my own and we agree slash share opinions too often Richard is just way too funny and would be the kind of guy I would like to hang out or hang out with. But his, but his insights to these films, at least this far in the FFF canon, isn't very deep and seems more surface level. But hot damn, nearly every joke he tells has me fucking rolling. <laughs> so I don't have have a favourite host, so this doesn't at all relate to the question, but those are my opinions of you two. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone else wants to agree or disagree with that. I don't know. He, I feel he, we're he balanced both, it out with. Yeah, huh? we both we both it's balanced out, but we both get very hurt reading that. Oh, I don't think <laughs> yours is very mean. I don't. Think he says I'm annoying. Like, oh, yeah. No, he says he's annoyed by how much you remind him of yourself. He says you're not annoying. Mm. Yours is yours is specific to this one person. I'm just stupid. <laughs> I I think your insights are great, Richard. Thanks. I don't think that. Pay, pay no attention to McDuff, who also commented on the Godzilla or that, that like that wave of memes that came out um, <laughs> insulting my um, input. Well, here we go. Here's a way that half of those were made by me. I'm going to make McDuff um, not feel like I'm his favorite. Now, you ready? On, on the Godzilla Millennium episode, he said, you mentioned that Star Wars The Phantom Menace is the worst is a worse movie than the 1998 Godzilla film. It is not. I'd argue that The Phantom Menace is not only a good film, but one of the most underrated films of all time. Look, I'm not going to have this conversation with everyone who comments. This, is, this happens all the time. I hate it. I think it's a fucking bad movie. I think it's a dead-ass, stone-cold, terrible film, and I will not sanction people trying to tell me that the phantom menace is a good movie 
How's that for an opinion that you agree with, McDuff? <laughs> um, <laughs> nah. All right. Uh, on the National Treasure episode, Carly Newber commented and said, we watched National Treasure during a school trip to DC and on the way to the National Archives, when we got off the bus, I turned to the two guys in my group and said, we should steal the Declaration of Independence. They, say sh- they said, sure, we didn't steal it. There's no punctuation. Classic banter. <laughs> that sentence, but that's kind of what, what So what's sense. that called? What's that called? A run-on sentence. Very nice. I'm learning. Wait, is that from our Patreon? I think it is. No, it's from Magnificent Seven. Okay. <laughs> What's the what's the best sequel on Facebook? Scott Curry commented, as for non-film formats, so non-film sequels, here are his suggestions for um, best sequels. On TV, he said, Frasier, it takes a much-loved show, which was Cheers, and zeroes in on one interesting character, expands the world, maintains the general comedic language, and creates what I would say is a superior sequel. Or is it a spin-off? In fact, in TV, aren't all sequels spin-offs? Would be interested to hear your taxonomy for that one. Let's do a spin-off, a best spin-off episode. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think there are shows, like, I guess... Like, there's a lot of, like, reboots. Like, they're called reboots in television that I would say are sequels. Mm. Like, something like the Roseanne reboot or the Connors. Yeah. Um, or, like, the Dallas reboot. I would, I I would say, say in film, they would be sequels. I would say in the my taxonomy for spinoff versus sequel when it comes to TV show is if it's about a specific aspect or character, then it's a spinoff. But it would also be a sequel or a prequel, you know, depending on when it's set yeah, a spin-off goes under the subheading of um, yeah, sequel. yeah whereas uh if it's uh, you can have a tv show sequel and something like the i don't know the prison break revival you know where it was yeah. just continuing the story again uh or uh, futurama to the simpsons that's not a not really they're, they're not even set in the same universe are they well there is yeah simpsonrama i guess so but they have different Different art styles, basically, with the skin colours not being yellow. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it on, on, on our appropriate podcast. On our Futurama Simpsons episode. Um, uh, he says, in terms of books, The Lord of the Rings um, being a sequel to The Hobbit, uh, The Hobbit was a massive hit at the time and everyone was expecting just another fun fantasy adventure for Bilbo in a sequel. Hell, that's even what Tolkien himself originally planned to write until it organically grew into something massively bigger. Probably the greatest example of world expansion in sequel history. Yeah, I'll give it that. That's a good good claim. Yeah, yeah those Com- are good books. Computer Games, he says... Portal 2, faithful to the game mechanic, but it expands. It takes hints of the story and the world that were very thinly sketched in the first one and fleshes it out in a satisfying, surprising way. Also as uh, faithful to the black comedy tone. And Songs, he says, Glass Onion by the Beatles sequeling I Am the Walrus. I'm not familiar with Glass Onion. Um, I'd agree with, um, definitely agree with uh, Portal. I love nice. Portal 2. So good. Uh, Sam Stanley says, I didn't know you guys were doing, were doing this episode. I feel bad I couldn't contribute. Sequels that I would have thrown in would include Stuart Little 2, The Mummy Returns, Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust, Silence of the Lambs, Pokemon Heroes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. And also, I totally agree about Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed as being one of the best ones. I bought that on DVD before I bought the first one. Also, in terms of unconventional things with sequels like the song The Devil Went Down to Georgia having a sequel, I don't know if there are if they, these are sold in New Zealand, but in the States there's a candy bar called Watchamacallit that is a sequel of sorts to the Thingamajig. I preferred that <laughs> one over the original. Um, so it's, I guess the best candy bar sequel is a Watchamacallit. And I, I think I replied yeah. to that and wrote that um, New Coke is the Blues Brothers 2000 of Coke. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Jensen Shearer said, It took me listening to this podcast to come up with my contender, fashionably late, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's the classic spaghetti mm. western. It contains the archetypal Mexican standoff. It's, it stood the test of time. It launched Clint Eastwood's career. Its soundtrack is still instantly recognizable today. And finally, who's even sat through a fistful of dollars and for a few dollars more? Well, Jensen, <laughs> we uh, not have. only have we done that, but also Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is a prequel, apparently. So... Yeah, well, we had a big discussion about this on our podcast. And if you're a fan, you've probably listened to it, especially yeah. if you love The Good and the, Bad, the Ugly so much. Yep. On what's the best prequel, Scott Curry said, ha ha, the, the inconsistency of indie experiencing supernatural stuff in the Temple of Doom never occurred to me before. Fair criticism, but it's still the best one. It amazes me both that that's never occurred to you, Scott, and that you think 
it's still the best one <laughs> because I don't think I've ever heard anyone regard Temple of Doom as the best indie movie. Indie movie, the best Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the fir- when I first found out that it was a prequel, that was the first thing I thought was like, but there's magic in it, and he's a skeptic in the first one. Uh, and he also says, also, thanks, Richard, for your dynamically modulated reading of my parentheses. I appreciated your attention to detail, <laughs> but I'm now wondering how quiet you would go with nested parentheses, like these ones you're reading right now. But then you already know, obviously. Wow, bad news, Scott, because I read that comment. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many parentheses in that comment, and I didn't, I didn't <laughs> acknowledge any of them. <laughs> my voice... Julian Jocelyn commented, would Casino See, Royale count? the difference count? between us. Yeah, exactly. Julian Jocelyn commented, would Casino Royale count? I liked how M had the office at the end with the padded door, etc. I didn't like how Q had no gadgets, though. I, I feel like Casino Royale is a soft reboot. It's confusing. Yeah, it's, the it, best soft, it's probably the best soft reboot. Yeah, yeah. It carries over Judy Dench, though, and she's in what is supposed to be set after Casino Royale. It's very confusing. Uh, on the I Know What You Did Last Summer episode on, on YouTube, Brent Taylor commented, officially petitioning to change the name of the podcast to This Is The Worst Movie We've Ever Watched. <laughs> Fine, look, No What You Did Last Summer is legitimately, in terms of uh, consistency, I think one of the worst franchises we've watched. Yeah, like, when we finally do our ranking yeah. of every franchise we've covered, yeah, well, it's going to be near the bottom. Yeah. On the Man With No Name series on Instagram, Jensen Schuer says, first time I've been able to watch a franchise along with you guys. Oh, so he did watch it. And um, I was wondering why you didn't mention the alternate name Poncho Trilogy in the episode's tr- introduction. Turns out you were the ones who put it on Wikipedia. Well played. Yeah, I looked on Wikipedia. It's not there anymore. So someone's clearly monitoring that very, you know, very closely yeah. and not wanting us our, our vernacular to take over the world. Um, but please, <laughs> please put all our podcasts in Wikipedia references. I would love to. Like, just... um, are we still mentioned on Big Fat Liar? I don't, do you want to check? Yeah. Um, I, I doubt someone's as adamant of maintaining the Big Fat Liar Wikipedia as they are. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. man with no name. Um, on March thirty first, twenty nineteen, the movie centric podcast Cop Publisher revealed the third film was in the works via correspondence with the director of Bigger Fat Liar. Fuck, that's awesome. <laughs> we're on a freely accessible editing website an open yeah, it's source so, it's so funny though that we're like we're the source for this yeah it's so funny uh on the youtube version of the mammoth no name trilogy spoodle spoodle goop spoodle goop who's alex the guy who suggested it said hey felt i ought to comment on the franchise i suggested i'm glad you fellas enjoyed the movies for the most part i honest it honestly makes me, me feel really relieved that you two had such a hard time focusing on a fistful of dollars because i really couldn't either so now i know i'm not alone in that still i'm glad i gave you two an excuse to get really into westerns all of a sudden i'm excited to hear what you guys think of antoine fuqua's remake of magnificent seven i enjoyed it and hope you do too it was all right well, I'm excited to hear what you th- think of what we thought. I don't think he commented on that. Uh, here's a really cool comment from Brent on the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly episode. He said, the Italian title, The Good, the Ugly, and the Bad, um, English has a weird, almost unspoken... Uh, sorry, English has um, a, a, a almost unspoken rule that everyone understands but few people talk about. There's an accepted order to adjectives. Quality, quantity, quality, size, age, shape, color, proper adjective, and purpose. So good and bad yeah. should be next to each other because they're quality markers. But ugly is, well, sort of still quality, but something different too which is apparently an english thing i would say it's more that good is the opposite of bad so you expect yeah bad to i, come I, after I good. love the um the order of adjectives things because it's such a it, you know when it sounds wrong mm. like the the great big green tree with like you wouldn't say like the big the green big great tree like that right. just sounds wrong but you've never most people, you know, you've never had it articulated to you that you have to put this one first and then this yeah. one and then this one. It just, it's it's like hardwired into the English language that that's how it sounds. Mm. Uh, Macduff commented on this episode with one of the best comments we've ever received. Uh, he said, I'm a bit late, but I feel like mentioning this. One of your up top useless trivia is wrong, which is the first time... I think a commenter or a fan has acknowledged up top useless trivia. He says, <laughs> you mentioned that this franchise- Except is the second- on Jeremy City hates it. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. You mentioned that this franchise is the second franchise you've done in which an actor is named Clint Eastwood due to the due to the actor Clint Eastwood appearing in every The Man With No Name film and Marty McFly using the identity Clint Eastwood in Back to the Future Part 3. However, this is actually your third franchise to have an actor be called Clint Eastwood due to the fact that in Crocodile Dundee, the main character was mistaken for Clint Eastwood. So if you could correct that in the next episode after this, then that'd be cool or whatever. Since I have been binging all your film franchise Fortnite's podcast i caught this mistake um this mistake and all really hoping no one else has caught this and you haven't corrected it in the next episode due to it already being out and me not having listened to it already man i love that you would presume other people are going to catch that mcduff (laughs) that's so funny man i forgot about crocodile dundee i forgot we did crocodile dundee (laughs) yeah Uh, on the magnificent seven episode on youtube ben miller said it needs a seventh film because there's six of them, and not once do we yeah. make a joke about that. Uh, yeah, and he did it for us. Tim Artabor commented, the initial theme you hummed is the A-Team theme. And it is, it's true. I was going, da 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 And that's not the Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven is dun da dun da dun dun da dun da dun da 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 Yeah, and our last comment that we'll be reading out for this episode is also from McDuff and it says first time Minecraft has been mentioned on the podcast. I wonder if that's true. <laughs> and that's it. Those are uh, it's us catching up on our fan mail. Thank you very much for commenting and please continue to do so. Uh, we love getting comments and uh, we love knowing that people are listening. I think is w- why we love getting comments. Um, leave an iTunes review, uh, subscribe to the Patreon and follow us in all the different places on our socials uh, and join the little empire podcast pals facebook group richard it's been an honor doing this episode with you yeah um we'll see you guys next week for the fast and furious franchise and then after that who knows yeah fast and furious we're finally doing it baby baby i'm gonna go watch fast five i still gotta watch tokyo drift all right everybody see you later bye bye Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.